Women's Power to Heal, Mother Earth, with Maya Tewari. In this episode, Maya relates her talk from the Bodhi Tree Bookstore, which she presented in 1995, when her book, A Life of Balance, was released. The very first thing given to us in manifestation is the cosmic sound, and all living things originate from it. The five elements are born of sound, called the Brahma Shabda. Even a grain of sand is conceived from the five elements, and those elements came from the primordial sound before it ever became audible. This is why we recite mantras, because in their recitation, wellness is garnered from the cosmic sound to envelop us in ultimate protection. Ayurveda came from the timeless and bountiful memories of the reverent sages whom we call the rishis in the Vedic tradition. They gathered their knowledge of universal existence and individual subsistence within the universe from what they understood about nature and the world around them. The ancients understood far more than we might ever discover and the wisdom of Ayurveda reflects this knowledge for all time. They tell us that the sun was born approximately 120 billion years ago and then the earth was formed later. Modern scientists have only been discovering this reality recently. We were sure of it once, but we lost knowledge in our constant reformation from yuga to yuga. Each one of us here have been here before. We are as old as manifestation itself. The same energies and memories which existed 120 billion years ago are here now, but in different shapes and forms. Sometime during the past few millennia, humanity married itself to the mind, and because of that, we lost sight of our boundless and immutable nature our inner divinity of joy and peace and wellness. I'm not saying that the mind does not have a purpose in life, but we must use it to discover and research things that affect us. Our minds play a very important function we use them to assimilate the experiences that we endure 
We use them to keep and save memories over time. They are the radars by which we interact with life, routine, mundane, and extraordinary. Have you ever noticed how hard it is to remember things that have happened only a month ago or a week ago? That is because the memory of an experience forms organically. We are not forming memories just for use in this lifetime. After billions of years and over many lifetimes, we develop what I call the cognitive base of memories, which is part of our individual karma. Human birth is very difficult to accomplish according to the rishis of the Vedas. It takes great courage to be born as a human being as well, because we are given something called a higher intelligence, or in Sanskrit it is called buddhi, that power to self-reflect, the power of choice, the power of taking responsibility for those choices. No other species has this capacity. It gives us the great responsibility to safeguard not only our existence, but nature around us. Our shell is the body, it changes all the time. We shuffle it off and go to another birth, take on another body, but the substratum of memories in their refined state, or shtula, sharida, from the subtle body, remains completely unchanged. Ayurveda, then, is a blueprint for living in the universe as I am describing it that is more than 120 billion years old. And the way of life that keeps us away from medicines and therapies and remedies and endless commerciality of these products is called sadhana. That is the inner medicine that we ourselves as individual have as an impeccable resource within us once we learn to use our cognition, our sentiency, our illimitable, immutable awareness. We have a series of vital tissues, for instance, in the body that goes beyond the material physiology of life. Their purpose interact with the subtlety of our universe, the subtlety of the five elements around us. Rasa being the first dhatu or vital tissue that forms the body is generally commonly called the plasma. Within our bodies, it is in its essential state our happiness tissue, the tissue that brings joy. And when we forget to replenish this first vital tissue within nature, within ourself, the tissue becomes unhappy and the mind, of course, reflects unhappiness. 
This tissue is not independent of the other remaining six tissues. In fact, they feed each other refined nutrients and then exude it through light beams into the subsequent tissue. The plasma tissue feeds blood, which is called, which is a bigger name than blood, called rakta in, Span in, in Sanskrit. Rakta really means invigoration. So if the rasa tissue lacks joy in the first phase of the cycle, our invigoration is also going to be compromised. That makes sense, does it not? That one set of nutrient being refined through one layer of our tissue, vital tissue, influences the entire successive chain of vital tissue and every energy that they hold within themselves in that they do not work independently, they are interdependent on each other. Rakta is nourishment, not in terms of the food as we understand it, but the memory that that food, the nutritive memory that that food plants within the tissue of the body as it is transported into the blood. When there is enough vitality in the invigoration of Rakta, it creates muscle tissue or mamsa, as it is called in Sanskrit. This is our buffering system, the tissue of discernment, vairagya as we may know it. And when we lack muscle or muscular prowess, we can become disoriented and confused, not because we are looking to have the perfect tissue or the perfect body or the perfect muscular body, but because there are subtle energies that form each one of the vital tissues in our body. When mamsa is well fed, it produces the fat tissue called medha in Sanskrit. Medha also in Sanskrit means shneha, love. So it is in fact our love tissue. We bend over backwards to diminish our birthright, you know. In India, the kapha type or the water type or the type most closely related to shneha or love are envied by the vata, which is the air type you know, all skin and bones. And in the West, it's quite the opposite, at least in a, from a cultural, social point of view. But never mind that. The concept of Ayurveda is phenomenal. It is awesome, and it is timeless. The state of wonder in our body. So sadhana then 
is more than a holistic activity, has nothing to do with religion, but it has to do with the spirit of the universe, the integrity of Mother Nature, the replenishing of the inner resources of the human species so that we can extend that love, that care, that kindness to other species around us so that we can love the earth and treat the mother principle with the greatest of love, dignity, kindness, integrity. Sadhana is voluminous in its meaning. The problem with modern times is that we treat all holistic sciences, the holistic nature of things as a pursuit, as something we have to conquer, something that needs to be accomplished. But in fact, all that we need to do is to understand it. We're not in the race to compete with each other or to compete with ourselves. We cannot live without food, breath, and sound. These are the three cosmic templates of Mother Earth. And here, when we recite the mantras, the Sanskrit mantras, it is not a language. It is not just an ancient language. It is the carrier of primordial sound. It is the cosmic infrastructure of the universe as intuited by the rishis or the great sages of the Vedic Hindu tradition that basically understood they were the greatest physicists to understand how the cosmic network of sound appears and the manifestation of the sound became the syllables of Sanskrit or Samskritam as it is called. The written language of which is called the Devanagari. The problem is that when we look at a way of life called sadhana as something that has to be pursued and something yet another feather in our glorious cap of seeking health, then we may lose the essential meaning of what sadhana truly is. Because most of all, it is within us. It is using the principle of energy and vibration from within us in order to garner it from the outside of us, meaning via Mother Nature, via our environment, our family, and so on and so on. But first, it has to be understood from within. So getting back to food, breath, and sound, we know then that sound heals us. Sound heals sound. Sound gives us the key to opening our awareness. If I am racing myself forward, then I can, through breathing, through the vibration of my breath, I can pull myself back into the constancy and the rhythmic movement of my breath. If I walk as I am breathing and the breath and my movement are in consonance with each other, then I am aligned to the greater energies of the universe and it is that simple. When we observe these sadhanas in our life, 
we can guarantee that the first issue of joy is going to be reformed into joy and invigoration, and that invigoration would lead to the greatness of discernment and uh, uh, intuitive understanding uh, in the in the consequent in the subsequent muscle, and then it will fuel our fat tissue, which. We should be loving our fat tissue, not excessive fat tissue, because excessive love is also strangling. But we're talking about the fat tissue being shneha, love, that which gives us moisture and unctuousness, that which allows us to talk and to have the liquidity in order to flow like the river, and the, the boundless beauty of waves in our hair. Oh, it is magnificent. And we shouldn't want to look just like the old barren bear stick of winter. But this is not about what our bodies look like. It is about what our inner environment is about and how we can best safeguard it. Sadhana is every moment of every day. If we are unhappy, it is also part of the sadhana of our life. If we are able to walk, it is a walk in tandem with our breath. If we are able to chant the mantras, it is the sound in tandem with the greater vibration of the universe. If we are able to sing hymns, it is it is the vibration that carries across the entire akasha or the sky or the open, the open atmosphere that keeps us upright instead of having us tumble about. Cognition is much like the seed under the earth. And when I say cognition, I am not talking only about mental cognitive abilities. I'm talking about the intuitive ability, sentiency, the largest of awareness that each and every one of us is gifted with. If only we can use it. We trust that the universe has its own time. And when something has to bloom, it blooms. And when something has to dissipate, it does. And when it dies and goes back into the earth, it is simply reformatting memory. This is simply a reflection of our own sentiency, of our own seed of awareness. It works like a willow tree that is firmly rooted in the, in the foundation of the earth, firm. It doesn't get up and hop around. It doesn't go around to see which neighbor is doing what. This awareness is inspired by the mind, or I should say it inspires the mind. When we are practicing sadhana, the mind becomes enormously peaceful, quiet, assaged, comforted. As we begin to live a life of sadhana, our memory becomes invigorated. When sadhana comes back into the light, our memories begin to shine again and we remember who we are as a divine, sacred entity of consciousness. In the Advaita Makaranda, a very ancient Vedic text, it is said, 
I cannot show love towards you, and you cannot show love towards me, for I am love. Love is not a relationship between us, but the core basis of our divinity. Our love is in full bloom at all times, and it is fed and replenished by the act of sadhana. It's simply our body our mind, our physiology, our emotional and psychic states are simply a matter of a shell. The aura that comes forth from one who knows this has full immunity. It doesn't mean that poison will not kill us. That is a physiological thing. And we are meant to go back to the graces of the earth as dust. But it is telling us that there is immunity in our memory, immunity in our food, in our breath, in our sound, and most of all, in the memory of our universe that each one of us carries intact. Aura or ojas is simply a reflection of how well our memories are faring. And we shouldn't compare our memories and our aura and immunity to each other. Each one of us has a very specific path with darkness, with light, with challenges, with glories, with victories, with failures, with bad decisions and good decisions. But it is ours to carry and no one else's burden. And that should remain sacred and private for what it is. Hopefully we can discover community again, wherein some of us become farmers and some of us become scientists and some of us are great teachers. The elephants do not rush to yoga classes every Saturday and yet they have the most beautiful, sensual, exquisite gait. The elephant walk is the most fertile of walks and it is so wonderful to watch them as they gracefully glide in their massive bodies. According to the ancient rishis, disease is simple as it is about forgiveness. The tissues themselves, the memory of the tissues themselves, have forgotten their essential nature. So every time we are knocked down by disease, be it a disease that has sprouted from the internal malfunctioning of the body or something from the external that has prodded an internal shift into disease state, just remember that we are also the medicine. We are also the medicine. I've cured myself from cancer, ovarian cancer, but I haven't cured myself of anything. It was the Goddess Mother who interceded and helped me to heal. It was the many grace, the graceful and divine acts of human hands through my very caring physicians that contributed to that care and ultimately to my survival, although 
chemical medicine did not keep me alive. But this is not about healing ourselves. Each one of us have the power to heal ourselves. And if we are practicing sadhana, then we keep that medicine internally, that internal active medicine in a rejuvenative and glorious state. This is Maya Tiwari wishing you peace and good health. Peace be your journey. Until the next time, and thank you for listening.